Anybody ready to hear the word of God today? You know, the, uh, the, the awesome thing about what we've been doing over the last four weeks or so is, is just being able to unpack the words of Jesus in a way that brings, how do you know the wor- those words bring life? Has anybody felt that, that as you've been reading the book of John, as you've been listening to these messages, that God's just breathing life into you? Am I the only one? I feel that way. And as I was, you know, I was listening to Ron last week, what an amazing job of, of talking about Jesus being the light of the world and understanding that it's not the works that you do. It's not your efforts that make this happen. It's all because of the grace of Christ and the light of Christ shining in your life, under, helping you understand that it, we're on our way to heaven. Anybody glad for that this morning? So we're in this series with, we're calling it Red Letters because it's about the words of Jesus. It's about him speaking to us through his word. And we're specifically looking at the book of John and understanding that John has given us a thesis. You got anybody know what John's thesis is about Jesus? That he's God, right? That he is the word made flesh. And we unpack that in week one, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And then we skip down to verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He came to where we are. Are you glad for that today? So week two, we talked about Jesus being the bread of life, that whatever your longings are, whatever your needs are, whatever you're, you're in your soul that you're thirsting and hungry for, Jesus meets all of those things. You can't find it in fame or fortune or, or money. You can only find it in the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen? And then, like I said last week, he's the, he is the, the light of the world. And all of these statements are crucial because every one of them is we call an I am statement, which means he's saying I am God every time. There's no question the claims that not only John made about Jesus, but Jesus made about himself. So we're unpacking those I am statements throughout the next few weeks. And it's just a beautiful thing for him to continue to say, don't worry, I'm God. Don't worry, I'm, the, I'm what you need. Don't worry, I'm the light. Don't worry, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Don't worry, I am. Amen? Anybody glad he's I am today? So those of you that are watching us online, I want you to lean in. Those of you in the room today, can we give our online audience a good hand today? Come on, give them a hand. They're watching us, and we're so glad that you're here. We hope that you felt the same presence of God in your living room or wherever you are as we have in the room today. Well, you're ready for today. We're going to be talking about probably our favorite chapter as a church in all of the Bible. We're going to be in John 10 today. If you've been around here any, any length of time, you know that that's the reason John 10 is so important to us. Because this is the vision verse we believe God has for our lives that, that he wants us to walk a full life in him. Amen. And we're going to talk about that just for a little bit in a, in a second. But here's what I'm going to do. Set this, this story up in John 10. We have to actually go back to... John chapter 9, because how many of you know these chapters were set to give some clarity about the Bible, but it, it's really the same atmosphere, the same context, the same day that we're talking about in John 9 and in John 10. So if you, you read John 9, you know that Jesus does this healing. He heals a, a man blind. And so it's a significant thing that how many of you would, if God healed you of something, you would be ready to share it. Listen, if, if God heals me of something, I'm telling the world, right? I'm getting on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I'm doing live videos, whatever I can do. I'm going to tell the world that Jesus healed me. 
And so this guy didn't have the luxury of social media, did he? But he was going to tell. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was telling people, hey, this guy Jesus healed me. I was blind. I couldn't see. And now I can. Well, the problem is he's telling the wrong people. Right? He's telling the Pharisees. They overhear this guy. What's he saying? And who's he, who's he talking about? He's talking about this Jesus character. Well, the problem is, the reason they didn't like it is because they hated Jesus. Let's just be honest. They wanted him dead. As a matter of fact, they're the ones who killed him. And so this guy's going around telling everybody about, hey, this, this guy, Jesus, I was blind and now I can see. And they're like, oh, we've got to shut this guy up. And so what they do is they, they take him and they, they bring him in and they basically interrogate the guy. You guys remember those old scenarios where the guys, they got them in the room and the bright lights are shining in their eyes, right? And they're going to interrogate them. They're just going to grill them. I picture the Pharisees doing this to this guy. And they go to so far as to go get his parents and say, you know, what's up? With it? What happened here? Well, you heard his testimony. I'm paraphrasing, right? You heard his testimony. Go ask him again. And so he's like, they ask him again. He's like, do I have to tell y'all again what happened? Gee, I was blind. And now I see. How simple is it? Well, the problem is they didn't want people knowing about this because they didn't like Jesus' popularity at all. He was gaining popularity. He was drawing crowds because he was doing miracles and his, his teaching was just so... I mean, his, his teaching was like... It's like laser, you know, tractor beam. That's what his teaching would do. They didn't like it. It was a threat to their influence, right? It was a threat to their authority. And so... They kick this guy out of church. Think about that. The guy gets kicked out of church because he's sharing the message of he's a blind can see. This is the scenario that we lead into John 10. And so Jesus, you know how he is. He's not going to pull any punches. He is, isn't he? Out of the mouth of babes. Gabe's going to help me preach this morning. So here, here's the thing. So we're going we're gonna to unpack John 10. So let's, let's read and remember that, that these guys, these Pharisees, are their religious leaders. And they believe wholeheartedly that because they're descendants of Abraham and that they have the law that they're leading people to God. Right? The problem is what Ron talked about last week. We talked about what the law is, Right? The law doesn't save you. All it can do is tell you that you're, you're a sinner. That's all it does. Oh, I'm a sinner. I, okay, I can read the law. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. That's all it does. And so they, they had this misconception that the law was going to help them get to God, gain favor with God, and because they were high and mighty, I'm a descendant of Abraham. You know, they, they're bragging about their lineage, right? Well, Jesus comes along and says, okay, guys, this is all wrong. So John 10, let's read it together. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. 
They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Stop right there just for a second. And so can I just give you a little insight here, a little background? So in that day, shepherding was very common, right? So, in, so Jesus, is, he's brilliant in telling stories, and he, he brings people into a, a place where they, it's something they can understand. And so he talks about shepherding. They understood it because there's a lot of them there. And so what he's doing is he's making a, a word picture here of sheep and a shepherd. Well, if you understand, back then they had in their villages, they had what they call these communal sheep pens. They were big pens, right? And so during the day, the shepherds had their, their flock out and they're grazing and all that. Well, at nighttime, they bring them in and all of them, all kinds of different flocks are in one pen. Does that make sense? And they called it a sheepfold. And so there would be a guy they would hire at night and he would watch the gate and make sure that no, nothing would happen to the sheep and the shepherds would go rest. And then in the morning, what would they do? The shepherds come back, they walk up to the gate, and all they have to do is say, come on. And all the sheep that belong to that shepherd, guess what they do? They come, and he leads them out of the gate, out to pasture. None of the sheep that weren't his would even move. Isn't that cool? And so... What he's doing is he's setting this up where, let me show you what I'm about to do. We'll, we'll talk about him being the shepherd in a minute. But we're going to, I want you to just, I'm going to give you some background to what this is all about. And so if you understand that this communal sheepfold, these, these sheep, they know their shepherd's voice. They're not going to respond to any other voice. We'll unpack that in just a second. But you notice what he says that there are, there are robbers, right? There are people who are Going about it the, the wrong way. Who do you think he's talking about? Well, Satan's behind it. But yeah, it's, it's actually the Pharisees themselves, right? Remember, they think it's the law and, and the, the word of sentence that's going to get them to God. And, and Jesus is saying, you've got this wrong. And so these, these shepherds, he actually calls them really that what they are is false shepherds. They're not true shepherds. Because they're, they're the ones who climb, you know, because they had robbers. The robbers would climb the fence, the, the pen. They wouldn't go through the gate. They would climb the fence, and they would try to steal the sheep. And, it's, and the reason they're stealing the sheep is for their own, it's for their own benefit. They would, they would kill the sheep. They would fleece the sheep. They would eat the sheep for their own benefit. They weren't, they weren't concerned about the sheep. They were concerned about their own needs. And if you go and I can't, I don't have time to read it, but if you'll go to Ezekiel chapter 34, you'll see that God is talking about these Pharisees when he says these are, these are false shepherds who they fleece the sheep and they're, they're all, they're, all they are is out for their own good. And this is what he's doing. He's calling these Pharisees robbers and thieves because they're going about it the wrong way. And so... If you look at the sheepfold, some people, as scholars, some have different interpretations of what the sheepfold represents. I think the best representation is that sheepfold was Judaism. You see, originally, yeah, God's chosen people. If you look in the Old Testament, that's the narrative of God's chosen people. Abraham, all the way down, David, all the way through. And so what, what God is saying is there's, there's a sheepfold, the Judaism. These, these are my people, and I'm, I'm going to lead them into eternal life all right y'all with me so far so let's keep reading verse 6 those who heard 
Jesus, used this illustration, didn't understand what he meant. So sometimes when Jesus was speaking, some people it would go. So we'd have to break it down even further. Don't you like it that Jesus is always at the level where the simple can understand? So he explained it to them. I'll tell you the truth. I, watch this, I am the gate for the sheep. What is he saying? There's only one way in and out of that sheepfold, right? The gate. And what he's saying is what he said earlier in John 14, what he says later in John 14, he says, I am the gate. In other words, I'm the only way to eternal life. I'm, on, I'm the only way to a full life. That's what he's saying. And he uses that, that statement, I am. You notice it? I'm the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. See, again, who's he talking about? He's talking about all these false shepherds. But the true sheep do not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. He makes it even more plain. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Don't you love that? That they're able to go, to go out to those places where everything's it's lush and green, right? To places of abundance. And then, so real quick, before we read verse 10. Here's what he's saying, and I want to make sure that you understand this, that he declares himself this way. Now, there's a second kind of sheepfold that they would use out in the, in the countryside, in the, out in the, kind of like in the wilderness. And so it was a more, it's not as sophisticated as a sheepfold. Basically, they would stack rocks up around, and they would, they would have it one way in, one opening, but there was no gate. Guess who the gate was? The shepherd. So the shepherd would lay in front of the opening of the, the makeshift sheepfold, right? And if any coyote or bear or anything like that would try to get through it, they had to come through him first. Whoa! He was the protector of that sheepfold. And so what, God, what Jesus is saying is, listen, folks, you want to get in? You want to get in? You want to get in? Come through me. I am the gate. And the Pharisees, you, I, could you imagine as he's preaching this and teaching this, I could, I could just see their blood start to boil, right? Because they know exactly what he's talking about and who he's talking to. And so he's declaring this very clearly. First of all, remember the thesis, I am God, because it uses an I am statement. But then he's saying, even like we said earlier, more narrow is, I'm the way. If you want eternal life, if you want full life, you got to go through me. The beauty of that is it's possible for anybody to do that. Amen? How many of you have already done that? You've accepted him as the way. Amen? Praise God. So let's read verse 10. This is one of our, our favorite passages, right? Watch what it says. The thief's purpose is to what? Steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give, this is a different translation, the, a rich and satisfying life. So this translation says rich and satisfying. The NIV says full life. The, uh, the NKJV and all those say abundant life. This is what Jesus is all about as your gate. He's all about bringing you to full life, to eternal life, to a life of abundance. And I love it that right in the middle of this discourse, he makes sure that you understand that. This is the kind of life he offers you today. Today. Not tomorrow. He offers you this kind of life today. A rich, full, abundant life. 
So can I tell you this morning, you cannot go wrong following Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you're reaching or striving or depending on anything else, can I tell you, lean into your pastor this morning online, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be sorely disappointed if you're looking to anything else but to him. And I love it because God gives us this opportunity to walk in this full life that he promised. And it's not, it's not something that we can't, even re, we can't even understand or comprehend. No, he, he lays it out pretty clear. I want your relationships full. Amen? I want, I want you to walk in, in health. And, and, and I want you to walk in, in a God-given purpose. You've heard me say this before. You know what I'm going to say, right? You were created on purpose. For purpose. That's you. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Tell them. You're created on purpose for purpose. This is what full life looks like. And I love it because if you see, we're, gonna, we're about to move in from him being the gate into him being a good shepherd, right? And so I love this segue because if you read the book of Psalm, or how many of you know you've ever read the, the Psalm 23? How many of you have read it before? Let me see your hand. Pretty common. It's read a lot at funerals and that kind of thing. But you know what I believe after reading some more this week? I believe it's a picture of full life. Where the shepherd's leading you. And I found it in the, trans, in the, the Passion Translation. Okay? And so I want to read it to you. They're, they don't have it up there, but I'm going to read it to you. You've probably heard it, so this is going to sound a little bit different. But I want you to catch some of these key adjectives and phrases of what... This good shepherd has for you this morning. Can I read this to you? Psalm 23. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. You ever thought of Jesus as your best friend? That's relationship, folks. And then he says, I always have more than enough. There's the abundant life that, God, that Christ promised. Amen? It's that full life. Watch this. He offers a resting place for me. I love this. In his luxurious love. Isn't that a great way to describe how God feels about you? His luxurious love. In other words, it's not just this, oh, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fond of you. No, I'm passionate about you. I love you. I, be, I want us to be friends. I want to I be your, your God. I want to be your shepherd, right? Watch what it says. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. Can we do that right now? Whenever I read that, I just want to stop and go, yeah. Can you just take it? Y'all, everybody take a deep breath. The quiet brook of bliss. The, tra the, the translation you're probably familiar with says, he leads me beside still waters. Has anybody ever just sat next to a, a river or a, a lake and just relaxed? There's this place that I go to right down the road, J.B. Owens Park. And if you go, there's a playground for the kids and there's a walking track. But if you go further back, there's a stream that flows down through that park. And so sometimes I'll just go back there. And I, there's this tree that's fallen over the creek. And I'll just sit there with my journal and, my, and, and just peace. Right? You understand? Full life isn't always about the hustle and bustle and, 
it's sometimes it's just about sitting before God and allowing him to love on you a little bit. Some of you need that right now. The world's turmoil for you. It's been a lot of, a lot of stuff's going on over the last year, and you're not sure you know, what's going to happen next, and you're, you're worried, and you're anxious, and you're afraid. And so here's my suggestion to you. Go find that place, that brook, that quiet brook of bliss. Does that help anybody today? It gets better, folks. Watch this. That's where he restores and revives my life. Can I ask you this morning, how healthy is your soul? You've heard me ask this a lot since January, right? How healthy is your soul? The only way to get healthy in your soul is to find those places alone with God, quiet with God, so he can revive your soul. Restoration. Listen, he's in, he's, listen can I tell you this? And I'm getting off track. It's okay. Can I tell you this? That Jesus is not in the business of behavior modification. He's in the business of transformation. And the only way that he can do that is if you quiet yourself enough, if you get along with him enough to let him do some work on your soul. But if all you're doing is constantly going from here to here to here, your schedule's packed, you're not making time for God, I guarantee you, you're going to burn out or you're going to have a stroke. And Jesus is saying, let me just lead you beside the still waters. Let me lead you to rest. We keep reading. He opens before me the right path. Can I tell you that when you're alone before God, he can speak to you and give you some direction? The Holy Spirit's in the business of, of giving you wisdom and direction. The problem is we're not listening, folks. He opens me before me the, path, the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path... Watch this. Takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me for you already have. Don't you love that? The reason you're not afraid today is because Jesus has already got you. Amen. And you can walk in freedom. You can walk in peace today because he's got you. Amen. All right. Help me, brother. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. You remember what 1 John 4 says? Perfect love casts out all fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said we're going to feast on the word of God, the bread of life. Man, this is it. His word is a feast. Can you picture that? All the foods that you love on a table. And God says, have at it. Amen. This is who I am to you. I am your feast. Amen. Can you tell I love this? You anoint me. Oh, excuse me. Even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why should I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Can I tell you, God's not going to do it. It's not just a one and done for you. The rest of your days, you can walk in this fullness until the day you breathe your last breath. It doesn't have to be a mundane existence. God wants all this for you. Then after when my life is through, I love this. I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. 
Folks, if you don't quit, you win. Amen. If you lean on Jesus, you win. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What is he doing now? He's gone from being the gate to the shepherd. And he makes it real clear that a really good shepherd is willing to sacrifice his very life for the good of the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And also, the wolf attacks them, scatters the flock, right? So this hired hand, these porters they would hire, if it got too rough, if it got too rough they're high-telling it. Why? Because they don't have anything vested, really. They're not a true shepherd. The hired hand runs because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Again, he's taking a dig at, at the Pharisees, right? I am, wow. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Verse 15. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Can I tell you right now, you better be glad for that verse. You understand what he's talking about there, right? Remember I said that the, the original sheepfold was Judaism. And you understand that before, before Christ, it, you and I were in, in some hot water. We were in trouble. We were outside, we were outside that sheepfold looking in. But Jesus says, look, I got this, I got salvation, I got redemption in mind. Not just for Jewish people, but for everybody. Come on, everybody. Anybody glad for that this morning? And so what he's saying is, this other sheepfold are Gentiles. Any Gentiles in here? Man, you better be glad. So he says, other sheep I have, and here... And what does he say? They're going to know my voice too. I'm going to be able to lead them to eternal life too. To these lush green pastures. To this full life that I've been describing. It's for all of us. Amen. I love it when Paul said there's no, more, no longer any Jew nor Greek. Bond or free. What is it? We're all one in Christ. Amen. That's good news. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's good news. And so... Let's keep reading here. Verse 17. I'm going to go ahead and finish this out and then we'll... I've got a little more to do here. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life. So what? So I can take it back again. What is he referring to there? His own resurrection. And he's, again, what's he saying? I'm God. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also I take it up again for this is what my Father has commanded. Can I tell you that from the foundation of the world, the, the cross and the empty tomb have been on God's heart from the get-go. It wasn't, like you said last week, it wasn't plan B, folks. From the foundation of the world, Jesus had it in mind to clothe himself in flesh, to die a cruel death on the cross, and walk out of the tomb. Amen. Isn't that great news? 
So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about the characteristics of a good shepherd. Okay? And if you're taking notes, this might be helpful for just to make this practical. So number one, a good shepherd sacrifices himself. Now, the, the beauty of this whole analogy or this word picture of shepherd and sheep is you understand that, that we're over and over again in the Bible that there's the idea of shepherds and sheep, right? I mean, uh, Abraham was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd, so all this. And then in the Bible, in, in Psalms a lot, God calls himself a shepherd, remember? Well, even what we just read in Psalm 23, Psalm 100, you know. All of these passages are about God being a shepherd. And then the sheep. So uh, this, this shouldn't really be, <laughs> I don't want to sound like, I mean, yeah, anyway, sheep are not, are not the brightest of animals. Okay? They're not dumb, they're just innocent, ignorant. What, what should I, I use that word again, right? So they're prone to wonder, right? So they, get, they can get away from the shepherd and they'll go, and here's, what, here's the thing, they're oblivious to the dangers around them. There could be a coyote sneaking up and they're, and then, or they may get caught in, in some kind of brush and they can't get out. The sheep prone to wonder. Anybody prone to wonder in here? <laughs> I've wandered a time or two. Anybody else? Am I y'all in the the wandering club? I've wandered a time or two, right? And so the shepherd sacrifices. He's like, I will go and find that one. I'll leave the ninety-nine and I'll go find that one that's stuck or the one that's in danger. I'll give my life for these wandering sheep. And so they make themselves vulnerable to attack. You and I do too. The choices that we make, the decisions that we make, many times lead us into danger and we're vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. But the greatest sacrifice that God could ever do is lay his life down for you. That's what love is, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, anybody, any whosoever's in here, any whosoever's online believeth in him should not perish. And so he's a good shepherd because he sacrifices himself. Number two, he protects, right? He's committed to protecting you, to keeping you from making these bad choices. To This is, this is this, again, this heart of God for you as a, as a wanderer. Number three, he provides Remember, he says, I'm going to lead you to green pastures, which is a, just a vision of God providing, right? He had to lead his sheep to places where they could graze and stay alive, right? And so that's what he does. He provides for you. He gives you what you need. We've said this over and over again. He's more than capable, isn't he? Just read this morning in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 where he speaks and things come to existence. And then he 
It says he planted a garden with all the stuff that they needed, right? All the fruit trees. And from the get-go, he's always wanted to be your provider. And he always has been. Number, number four, he will never leave his flock. He doesn't run. When, it gets, when things get hairy in your life, Jesus doesn't run for cover, does he? No, what does he say? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so you can rest assured, whatever you're facing right now, whatever circumstances, whatever the trials you're facing, Jesus is right there walking with you through the trial. He will never leave you. Good shepherds don't abandon their sheep, do they? I love this one. Shepherds see their sheep as the most valuable asset that they have. So if, if he has that kind of view, if a shepherd has that kind of view of his sheep, he sees them as valuable, right? He sees them with unlimited worth. That's why he's willing to die. That's why he's willing to take care of them. That's why he's willing to provide. Because he sees their worth and their value. So a good shepherd protects. He provides. He never leaves. He sees value. So if we have a good shepherd, then there are some benefits to lining up to this shepherd, to having this shepherd. Can I tell you what they are? Number one, we can know him. We can know our shepherd. Remember, when he comes to call, my sheep, what do they do? They know my voice. How do you get to know the voice of God? Can't, here's, oh, let me ask, let me rephrase. Can you know and hear the voice of God? Can you recognize the voice of God? How? Come into relationship with him, right? Open up his word. Spend time beside that brook of bliss. Amen? To be able to hear the voice of God, to recognize the voice of God, you got to spend time with him. Amen? And that word, no, we've studied it before. That word in the Greek is gnosko. It's an intimate word. It doesn't mean a knowledge here of God. It's a knowledge here of God. I know my sheep and they know me. He wants to know you today. So that's a benefit of being a, a part of this fold, right? Here's another one. We belong to him. He purchased us. We are his. The Bible says in several places that he ransomed us with his blood, right? He, when, he, when he went to the cross, he purchased our salvation. He brought us into the, the, the fold, the, the uh, fold of his love. You know, uh, Ephesians 1, we've been accepted in the beloved, Right? So we're his. He bought us with a price. And it's a high price. What was the price? His life. We have a full life. This is another benefit. This eternal life that he's always said we could have is available to us. And here it is. He has sealed us for purpose 
and provision. So in other words, when you come into a relationship with him, the life that you have, it's already hope for the future, right? So when you breathe your last breath, the moment you breathe your last breath, you're, you're already, you, you can experience full life right away. But here's, what, here's the beauty of it. You don't have to wait till then. Today, this very day, you can experience the life of Christ in your daily walk, in your relationships, right? In your health, in the stewardship of your purpose. Okay? Another benefit, we are protected. God's got your back, amen? As a good shepherd, he's going to look out for you. He's not going to let you stray. He's not going to let you fall into, right? He's going to keep you, right? He will keep you in perfect peace. Psalm 91, he's going to give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Can I give you a testimony of God's protection this past Thursday? You probably saw my post. If you, if you went to the Weather Channel, you saw this picture of Birmingham, Alabama. There's a video of a tornado over some trees. And then there's a car dealership that you, if you see in the, in the video, right behind that car dealership are my, my two sons, Garrett and Tyler's apartment. I'm talking less than a mile. That tornado was that close. You better believe you, this daddy was praying. I was having coffee with a friend. When my son started texting me, Dad, there's a tornado warning. This is serious. Me and, me and Brandon, we, we stopped right in the middle of Dunkin' Donut, and we prayed provision. We prayed protection over my boys. And I'm, can, I hear, can I tell you that I believe God answered that prayer? Because he's our protector. Amen? i got to hurry. We have provision. We have provision. Are you glad for that? I was just thinking about that the last couple of days. I'm, you know, I t- I've told you I have this moment in my prayer time in the morning in my living room. And as I'm walking, I just walk and pray. And I'm just thinking, you know, God, this house is in the mansion. But in some places it is. It would be considered a mansion. You know, I'm, I'm looking out in my garage. I got two cars. One of them's paid for. One of them's less than a year away from being paid for. I got two in Alabama that are paid for. I've never wanted for, I've never missed a meal that I didn't intentionally miss. You understand what I'm saying? I have my health. Can I take credit for any of that? Not even close. Because the gifts I have, the calling that I have to earn a living, to earn resources, even that comes from Him. That's provision from Him. And if we ever get to the place where we think we're the ones who are making it happen and we've arrived, watch out, baby. But if we'll acknowledge he's our provider, he's the one leading the way, he don't mind blessing. Let's read it this morning, Ron. Psalm 1. If you meditate on the word of God, you'll be like a tree planted by the river of water, bearing fruit in its season. And it says everything. It doesn't say some things. It says, everything you do will prosper. I choose to believe that, amen? Am I, now, don't go out here saying pastors a prosperity preacher thinking that everybody's going to be a man. That's not what I'm saying. Because prosperity looks a lot different than some people maybe even imagine. But he does want you to prosper. 
Over and over again, it's in his word. He wants to bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. Amen? He's your provider. Last one. I promise I'm almost done. We are loved by God and valued by him. Can I tell you this morning? You're his prized possession. Remember, the, the shepherd looks at the sheep as valuable. It's the best asset they have. Can I tell you this morning, God sees you that way? You're his prized possession. He loves you and he places a high value and a high worth on you. Why? Because that's just who he is. Because he's good. Amen? Because he's loving. He didn't have to. Amen? And some of you say, well, if God really saw me and looked at my life, he wouldn't. But you know what? He, this is the good thing. He has seen it. You ain't hit, you've not hidden anything from him. Can I just let you in on that? You've not hidden one thing from him. And guess what? He loves you anyway. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together for that. He loves you anyway. Man. So can I declare to you today that he is the gate for the sheep? He's the way to God. He's the way to salvation. Can I declare to you that he's the good shepherd? But most of all, can I declare to you that he's the son of God? He's Emmanuel. God made flesh. Today being Palm Sunday, you remember the story, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which, by the way, was prophesied in Zechariah chapter 9. Right? They laid their jackets, whatever you want to call it, their clothes, and they waved palm branches Saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's on Sunday, I guess. However you look at the calendar. And then by Friday, crucify him. Some of the same voices. Crucify him. And they do. These same religious leaders that he's calling thieves and robbers show their true colors on Friday when they stir up the mob. It's a mob. Let's just face it. It was a mob, right? And they're just stirring it up. Hey, crucify. Come on. Let's, let's crucify this guy. And if you read in the rest of John 10, you'll know that, boy, they get so mad at him, they have, they're ready to stone him. You know why? Not because, the, not because you healed the blind guy. No, because you claim to be God. Go read it. And they try to stone him in that very moment. And, and so this anger is just rising up inside of them. And on, a little long, later, what do they do? They go through with it. But they, the beauty of this is it wasn't them. They were falling right into God's plan. Because <laughs> remember, you read it last week. If they even knew, if, if Satan even knew... What was about to happen, they, he never would have crucified God, Christ. Because that cross that meant death to him means life to you and me. Amen? 
Are you glad for that this morning? Hallelujah. So I got a couple of questions for you and then we're done. Whose voice are you following? Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, we need to. And then secondly, who is leading you? Who is leading you? Because that's what shepherds do, right? They lead. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.